Renee and I, my wife and I, we recently moved house, which we're very excited about. We probably tripled the size of our um, place of accommodation, which is very exciting. And we've already sort of spread out and filled everything, as you would do, you know. Um, and when we were about to move house and we were talking about, oh, what furniture would we like to buy? Um, what things would we like to do? What should this room look like? What should that room look like? Um, I was getting a little bit carried away here and there, um, talking about libraries and, and desks and <laughs> pianos and music, uh, music rooms and all this sort of thing. And uh, my wife spoke the word of the Lord to me. She said, this isn't it. We're going to move again. There's more. Um, And that was the word of the Lord to me. um, Because it's very easy in the season you're in to think, this is everything there is. This is everything there is. And I'll just spread out and I'll fill this and I'll get myself comfortable and and we'll stay here. This is good. But there's more with God. We will move again. And I believe that in God, his design for us is to move again and move again to the point where we are walking with the Spirit. Where we're always ready to say, let's move again. Let's go again. Let's expand and increase again because there is always more with God. And so we've had this theme together, uh, gather together and go together. Yeah, And God's been speaking to us about this. We've been going through the book of Acts and we're going to do a little bit more of that this morning. But there is more in this gather together and go together than what we've already heard. God has more to speak to us, more to say to us. Um, So would you turn with me to Acts chapter 3, if that's okay. Surprisingly, we haven't really reached Acts chapter 3 yet in our studies in Acts, but we're going to get there this morning. Acts chapter 3. To give you some context, because we're going to read in verse 19 to 21, the beginning of Acts chapter 3, Jesus performs a mighty miracle through the hands of two men, Peter and John, because they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're walking to a, a church gathering, and there's a sick man on the side of the road, and they heal him. And he gets up, he's a cripple, he's, he hasn't walked, and he, he gets up and he starts jumping and dancing and praising God and goes into the temple. And everyone thinks, this is incredible, we've seen this guy, and he's been crippled his whole life, and now look at him, he's praising God. And so as you can imagine, a crowd gathers. Yeah, a decent sized crowd would be attracted by this type of thing. So uh, Peter and John think, you know what, this is our prime opportunity, we're going to preach the gospel. Yeah. And the gospel is, Jesus Christ is Lord, and he's risen from the dead. And so Peter tells them this, and then he makes them three promises, which follow a command. The command is repent and turn back to God, and then there are three promises from God. Let's read together in Acts chapter 3, verses 19 to 21. It says, repent therefore and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you. Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. So Peter says to them, in the light of Jesus, this Lord and Christ, this one who's risen from the dead, you have a decision to make. You have to repent and turn back. There's a decision to be made. And if you've never made that decision, today's the day to make the decision and to repent and turn to God. And then there are three things if you like, three hallmarks of of the Christian life, three hallmarks of us as believers that Peter describes. The first is, our sins will be blotted out. Past reality, our sins have been blotted out. Yeah, Yeah? For every single one of us, we can rejoice and celebrate that fact this morning. Jesus has has blotted out our sins by his blood. Isn't that so wonderful? And then there's this phrase, times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. And then the third promise is this, Jesus is coming again. 
Jesus will return. And he will return after a specific thing has happened, and that is the restoration of all things, according to the prophets. And so we're going to explore those things this morning, because God has called us to gather together and to go together, and I believe he's called us to refresh and to restore. Yeah, so you should have a little uh, image behind you that will help you with visualization this morning. Isn't this exciting? Refresh and restore. Refresh and restore. For every believer, our life is to be marked by times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord. There's two ways you can see that. First of all, as a church, worldwide, God sends times of refreshing to us. Times of refreshing. So you can see that in the revivals of the past and the reformations of the past where God has revealed things to his church and God has brought alive things to the church that had been dormant. And it's a time of refreshing. And I believe in those. I believe we're living in one. I believe if we can capture it, we're living in one. But I believe there's also a personal element to that time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Because Peter was addressing individuals in a crowd and he said, if you repent and turn back, your sins will be blotted out and times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Something they'd never experienced before. They might have heard sounds of refreshing in a Christian gathering, but they'd never experienced it for themselves. They might have heard uh, people filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, but they'd never really known the refreshing of the Lord themselves. And Peter said, you will. And I believe for every single one of us, there is times of refreshing, which come from the presence of the Lord. Interesting, isn't it, that the word is times of refreshing, not time of refreshing. Yeah? There are times of refreshing. By that I mean there are seasons of refreshing. But just like in the natural where seasons roll into one another, they begin and end and then there's another season. They begin and end and there's another season. I believe with God these times of refreshing are not to be few and far between. Not to be few and far between for us but to be regular occurrences in our life to the point where we experience continual times upon times upon times upon times where he refreshes us. You know that word times means a special time. A moment of opportunity. It's that word kairos, for those of you who know our business name in this building. It's kairos. It's a moment of opportunity. It's something to step into. It's something to take hold of. It's a time of opportunity for us to be refreshed by the presence of the Lord. You know that word refreshing is the only time that word is used in the whole New Testament? Refreshing. It's a great word. It's a great word. It has connotations of someone who's been drowning and they're up out of the water and they breathe again. And they're refreshed. It's not just a glass of cold water on a hot day. It's refreshing from the Lord. I, um, when I was a teenager, I went to Uganda um, and I was doing a few kind of humanitarian things. And one of our tasks was to go and paint the roof of a school, um, which is very exciting. So we got in a little minibus and we off on our way, expecting to find one of the schools that we'd been to in the sense of small buildings um, with a little roof. And uh, just get up there and paint it and we'll be done. We turned up to what seemed like a warehouse, basically. It was massive, this huge building. And it was the hottest day we'd been there. It was probably 30 degrees. I don't know what it was, but it was roasting hot. And we'd arrived, we were in the minibus, we're already sweating. And then we see this huge steel roof on what looked like a warehouse. And we thought, my goodness, how are we ever going to achieve this task? And we don't really have anything to refresh us with. And so we, we get up our ladders and we, we start painting and we're wearing hats. I didn't have a hat, so I borrowed one of the spare hats from one of the ladies in the group who always have extra hats, I suppose. Um, so I'm wearing this tiny little hat. didn't even cover my head. There are pictures of it. I'll show you after if you want to. Um, 
And I was in need of refreshing. I was in need of physical, natural refreshing, more than I can remember ever being in need of it. I was so dehydrated, so parched. And then the kids brought out water for us, who'd been painting the roofs. They brought out, and we stopped, and we had a bit of food with them. We played games, and we were all refreshed. But you know, God's refreshing is even more than that. It's more than just physical refreshing. In our heart, he wants to refresh us. He wants to give us a breath of fresh air again. He wants us to come up out of the water and go, I'm refreshed. And it's not just some kind of nebulous refreshing that you think, oh, I could, if I could just have some of that refreshing. It comes from something. Or rather, it comes from someone. It comes from the presence of the Lord. These times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Well, the word presence means face. It comes from the face of the Lord. It comes from face-to-face time with the Lord. Not social media time, not even face time, but face-to-face time. Being present and him being present with you. And you know, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, things changed. Where once the presence of the Lord was in a temple and we would travel and, and go over here and, oh, the presence of the Lord is there. Or the presence of the Lord would be in a pillar of cloud and of fire. Now the presence of the Lord lives in us. God lives in us. And so the place and the person from which times of refreshing will come is actually within you by the Holy Spirit. So you never have to run around and find the presence of the Lord and think, oh, where's the atmosphere right? Where, where can I get refreshed? Where can I get refreshed? You can just say, Holy Spirit, thank you for your refreshing. Thank you for your refreshing. You carry the charger with you. You don't leave it in Oldham. You don't leave it in a place where there was a significant experience in the presence of God. You don't leave it at Bible week. You carry it with you. There's times of refreshing available to you. It's a moment of opportunity to be refreshed by the Spirit of the Lord. Praise God. So to summarize that, that phrase, times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord, let's say this. Time after time, God makes available to us an opportunity to spend time face to face with Jesus. So that he can give a breath of fresh air into our hearts and bring us alive in him. Isn't that good? I want some of that, don't you? But you know, that's normal life for us. It's normal life to be refreshed by God. It's normal life, not just an occasional powerful filling, but in every moment of life to know that Jesus has said to us, come to me, all who are weary, and I'll give you rest. Come to me, all who are thirsty, and out from within you will flow rivers of living water. And the, the call of Jesus to us is the same today. Come to me and be refreshed. The whole world is weary, isn't it? The whole world is heavy laden. The whole world is thirsty. And Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. What a king who'd stand in the world and say, I know you're weary. I know you're thirsty. And I've got the answer. And you know, he lives in us now. He lives in us. Oh, fantastic. So let's be energized by this refreshing from the Holy Spirit. Let's be brought into newness of life by him. Let's know that day after day after day, he's spurring us on. He's encouraging us. He's refreshing us. But there's more. There's more than just that. We're not just here to experience personal refreshings and think, oh, wonderful. This is so good, isn't it? And then to, to drift on and drift on until Jesus returns. And then suddenly everything's restored. It doesn't work like that. These times of refreshing are for a purpose. 
And it's not just our own satisfaction, although that will be a case. But it's for something else. God has a, a purpose in the earth. God is involved in a great mission. And Jesus will return as everything is restored. Jesus is remaining in heaven until something happens. Isn't that encouraging? He's not just sitting there twiddling his thumbs thinking, well, when the Father says, then I'll go. But no, there is something that's going to happen. Yeah? We don't know exact times and dates, but we know by the scriptures that everything is going to be restored according to what was spoken by the prophets. God has a mission, and it's bigger than just my personal refreshing this morning. But the two are linked together. Because God says, he's not just going to handle this part and we handle this part. He's not just going to refresh us and then he's going to go around doing the work of restoration. He's saying, come with me and restore. Let's be restorers together. Jesus gave a commission to his followers to be ambassadors into the world. To go into the world and to make disciples. He didn't allow them to sit back and think, oh, we'll just wait for the, we'll just enjoy the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. We'll just enjoy these experiences together. And then we'll close the doors and think, that's that. Really, really good. But no, he opened the doors and he said, you've got to go. You've got to go. You've got to go. That's why to us this year, he's saying, gather together and go together. We can't have one without the other. We'd be an ingrowing thing and that is not healthy. But we must go as well as gather because we are restorers. This refreshing from God has a purpose to it. And it's summed up in that word restoration, which is a word we don't use very often. And I think probably in the world is quite a weak word. We talk about restoring houses and you kind of paint the walls and paint over the cracks and and touch things up a little bit. And there you are, it's restored. Um, In dentistry, the word restoration is another word for filling, which basically means you had decay and now it's gone and you've got a filling instead. Yeah, But it's not as good. It's never as good as it was intended to be. It's always less than But with God, restoration is always more than. With God, restoration is more than what was lost. There is more, he said to us. Biblically, restoration is rebuilding and turning things around to their original intention. The thing that God intended for them to be, which inevitably means increase. Because God is always about increase. Because his kingdom is ever increasing. And so everything he touches will increase and increase exponentially. And so what we see is not just to repair things to upcycle them, to make them just that little bit nicer and more attractive, but no, to totally transform, to restore, and to see things as God originally intended. There is more. In Exodus 22, um, it's a part of the law, and it goes through if someone steals a sheep or steals a cow, there's a consequence to that. If they steal the sheep and then they return it and the sheep's alive, they have to give back two. They can't just give back the sheep they stole. If they kill the sheep, They have to give back four, I think it is. And if they kill a cow, it's five. I don't know, cows are bigger and more expensive, whatever. But there's a principle there that is in seed form for us of restoration, which basically says, what has been stolen must be returned more than. And you know, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's all he can do. He can't do anything but those things. He cannot do anything good. He can only steal. He can only kill. He can only destroy. That is the opposite of restoration. That is the exact opposite of God's purpose and plan, isn't it? And so restoration finds things that have been stolen and says, I'm going to restore this. I'm going to multiply this. It's going to be more than it was when it was stolen. 
Restoration finds things that have been killed, murdered, put to death, and says, I'm going to bring life to this, and it's going to be more than it was before. Restoration finds things that have been destroyed, things that have been broken down, things that have been damaged, and says, I'm going to see this flourishing and full of life and increasing. That's the restoration mission. It's to go around this world and see where there is damage and destruction and say, we are here to restore this. Restoration is God's answer to the damaged world that we live in. Restoration is God's method of transforming communities and restoring households. Restoration is his plan. And he says, you are to be restorers. We are to be restorers. He says, be refreshed and go and restore. Do you want to look at Isaiah 58 with me? I love restoration. Isn't it great to see restoration in action? To hear testimony of people who come up and say, I've been restored. A job was stolen from me and God gave me more than I ever had before. Someone was taken, but God gave us more than we ever had before. Restoration is a beautiful thing. It's God's design. God, God patterned it. God wrote it. Isaiah 58 and verse 12 says, Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorers of streets to dwell in. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Matthew 28 says, Go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. Ephesians 3 says, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is now made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Isaiah 61 says, they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. We are restorers. We are restorers. We are God's instruments of restoration in the world. That's what he's designed us to be. And that will look like repairing breaches. By that I mean a breach is like in a wall, you know, in a, in a battle. And they had a, a wall around a castle or whatever. And there'd be a breach in the wall. And you know, in creation, God has set certain boundaries, certain things in place. And those things at times are breached. And we are to be the repairers of the breach. Yeah, People who say, this is the way of God, walk in it. This is the way of the kingdom, live in it. You know, we're to be restorers of streets to dwell in. Restorers of streets to dwell in. That means there's something of community in this. Not just restorers of houses to dwell in. Where people can close the door and be isolated and insulated. But restorers of streets to dwell in. So that communities are opened up. So that people can speak to one another and fellowship with one another. And we're to go and restore streets to dwell in. We're here for a purpose as we walk along our streets and speak to our friends and witness work colleagues who might be struggling with emotions or things that have been stolen or they, uh, there are injustices around, there are all these sorts of things. And God says, my heart in you is of a restorer yeah. to restore these things back to their original intention. And I believe it's, there's a call for us, and, and God's been saying this to me a lot, to be a restorer in my 
by your situation. To be a restorer. Uh, a couple of situations in work recently where God has given me opportunity to do that and to sort of um, test that out, you know, to stretch my restoring muscles, you know. So a situation where a, a boss comes and says, my niece has been considering suicide and has attempted, has attempted suicide and I'm considering sending her to a medium, to a spiritualist. And you think, oh Lord, there's something to restore here. Give me the words, give me the grace to be a restorer here. And to be able to talk things through. Or a, or a person who's got angry about a situation and then they turn to you and say, why are you never angry? And you think, there's an opportunity here to be a restorer. And so you say, it's not just my demeanor. It's not just my personality. I'm not just a relaxed kind of guy. But God has done something in me. And so I can say, this is what he'll do for you. God has brought refreshing to my life and so now I can be a restorer in this situation. And the, the Lord spoke to me a couple of weeks ago. Tim Jones was preaching here. I don't know if you remember. Um, and I was toward the back and God said to me, be strange. Be strange. And I thought, oh, Lord, I don't really understand that. Am I just thinking to myself now? Am I drifting off here? What are you saying? And God said, be strange. And Tim had been talking about going around the world, seeing miracles and signs and wonders and how the Holy Spirit was speaking to people in the same way that he speaks to us. And he's speaking to people to say, go into this situation and do this thing. And God said to me, be strange. Don't conform. You're not here to blend in. Yeah? And I thought, oh, Lord, okay, yeah, you're really here. That's me. Too many times in my life, I try and blend in. I try and build a bridge. I try and be, you know, approachable. When really God has said, you know, you're totally different to everybody else around you in your workplace. You're totally different. You're very strange. You're a foreigner here. You're an alien. Do you know what I mean? It even says that in the Bible. I promise you. So let's look together, shall we? Uh, 1 Peter 2. I feel like this might need some explanation. I'm not encouraging just weirdness, okay? (laughs) Yeah? Just being kooky. Because we are really the way things should be. If we believe God has restored us, then he's put us right. And so just being weird and being wacky is not what he's called us to. But he has said, you're a stranger here. You're not of this world. So 1 Peter 2 verse 11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. And those words, are sojourners and exiles, means strangers, foreigners, aliens. Yeah? Hebrews 11, 3. says a similar thing. You're all going to beat me there now, aren't you? <laughs> Hebrews 11 and verse 13, sorry, not 11, verse 3. 11, 13 says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. And God said to me, be strange. When you're in a situation and there's something to be restored... Don't try to think too much about blending in. (laughs) You're not designed to blend in with that. It's right that you look at it and say, that's wrong and it needs to be restored. And so be the one to say, I'm going to stand in this situation and say, restoration to this. That's that's strange to the world. The world doesn't know what restorers look like. The world hasn't heard restoration very often. But we're here to say we are restorers. We're restorers of this street so that people can dwell in it. 
And you might not have heard that very often, but we're here to restore something. We are not of this world. You know, we are not of this world. We're born from above. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We've tasted the heavenly gift. Our citizenship is in heaven. We hear God speaking to us. We're not of this world. But he sent us to the world with a purpose. We're not here just to make our own little group in the corner and say, oh, we're strangers to you all. No, we're here to be in the world. To show the world what it is to be a restorer. Oftentimes we can, we can spend so much time thinking, I'll just build the relationship, I'll build the relationship, so that one day I can sow a seed when God says, right now, be strange. Say what I'm telling you to say. Do you hear me? Don't just be weird. But we are here as strangers, and, and, uh, and God has taken us out of something and set us apart. He's made us a holy people. And compassion and honor and generosity and truth and hope and power are the language and the hallmarks of citizens of heaven. And the world does not know what that looks like, but they need to. We're sent here for that purpose. The world is crying out for restorers, I believe that. Our streets are crying out for restoration. The breaches in society are crying out for restoration. And I really believe it's us. I believe we're here for that purpose. With all the others in the world who are refreshed by the presence of the Lord and sent as restorers. There's thousands of us, you know. Millions. All sent as restorers. But these two things aren't separate because I believe that it's those who know the continual, ongoing, refreshing of the Holy Spirit that are able and equipped to restore in the situation they're in. I believe That as we engage with the Holy Spirit who is within us, rivers of living water. As we say, Lord, thank you for your refreshing. Thank you this morning that you are within me, a spring, a well of refreshing. And that we know the presence of the Lord going with us and refreshing us and refreshing us and refreshing us. We will be those who restore. And so I believe there is a call from the Lord to be refreshed. I believe God is saying to return to deep fellowship with him by his spirit. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1. One Corinthians 1 and verse 9. says, God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And I believe the call hasn't changed. The call is to the fellowship of his son. Jesus is saying again today, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will refresh you. He's saying, come to me, all who are thirsty, and I will cause from within you to flow rivers of living water. 
God is faithful and he's called us to the fellowship of his son. And in days where we see around us need of restoration in every area, God says, come to me, be refreshed. Fellowship with the son and you will find that you go as a restorer into every situation. So before we go to the world, we have to come to him. We have to gather together and go together. And I believe the call is there for us to be refreshed, to be filled, to know this, the rivers of living water that flow from within, that will feed us and feed others, so that we go into the world and just like the, the geezers, was it, in the arid desert, that spring up and don't just enjoy the spring themselves, but cause flourishing and life and transformation where there was death and destruction. So we go to this world as restorers to say we've got something to say. We might be strange. We might, we might say things that you've never heard before, but they're the truth. They're the words of God. And we're here to see transformation and restoration in this world. Amen. That's what I have for you.